Happy birthday. It's good to be here 12 years into the mix of things. And I tell you what, if we could have dreamed about what things would look like in that course of the 12 years, I don't think we could have completely written it entirely down. I love that clip from Rudy, and I love the song that Pete just sung, because here lies this collision between God's dreams and our lives. The idea about that there's a God who's actually interested in using us. If you're here this morning and you're just checking out God for the first time, the simple take-home might be this, is there's a God who's alive, who has plans for our lives, and he wants us to partner with him in discovering his life. In fact, he wants to place his dreams. Rudy was thinking that his dream was attainable, but everyone else told him that's, that's ridiculous. And then the song that Pete sung had this idea of, God, where do you leave me? Will you leave me? What's that all like? This morning I want to talk about the collision of those two ideas through one of the most profound stories, one of the astonishing stories that you'll find in the Bible. It picks up this whole theme of usable. Am I usable for God's good here on this earth? And the answer is yes. If you want to follow with us, Genesis 37, you can download the new version of the Bible, you can follow along with us. That's all we're going to do today. I want to tell you the story about a guy called Joseph. He's a young guy, 17 years old, and there's three things we discover about Joseph when you read that chapter on, which from there in the Bible. The first thing is this, is that Joseph is a dobber. He is a dobber. There is nothing worse than a dobber. Have you ever met a dobber before? Someone who dobs. And so we, we find that he's a dobber in a very complicated family uh, because he actually has 11 brothers and one sister but there's four mums involved in that sort of lot of 13 all together and one dad. Now, I've been told when, when I ask around about is that most guys say one wife is enough. Yeah, yeah is that true? One wife is enough? Well, there's four in this family. It's, quite, it's even more complicated than modern family. This takes the cake. And along the way, Joseph goes out. He's sent out to check on his brothers. And he comes back and he gives a bad report to his dad. So he's known as a daughter. The second thing we know about Joseph is that he's actually someone who's actually daddy's favourite. Now, I know we shouldn't do this in our families. If, if you have family here, though, with kids, you'll have the part of the family you came from. A parent should never cross the line and say, actually, you are more important than the other one. Yeah? Ever had a kid come to you, though, and say, you know, just sidle up? I remember kids from their kids coming up and saying, just quietly, it was always one-on-one. Dad, who's your favourite? Yeah? You ever got that? Who's your favourite? And you know you should say, well, actually, we love you all the time, yeah? But sometimes you're tempted. <laughs> sometimes you just think, actually, I'll keep them on edge. Your brother or your sister. <laughs> actually, it's the one who's given me least grief right now. And so, in fact, what this dad did by the name of Jacob, he had a second name, Israel, is that he made Joseph his most favourite, and to do that he actually did something a parent shouldn't do, gave him a badge of honour to just sort of stand out from the rest. He gave him this amazing colourful coat. Every time his brothers saw him wearing this coat, it was just another nudge, it was just another twist in their heart, and they hated him because of it. Third thing we learn about Joseph is that he is a dreamer. He is a young, ambitious dreamer. In fact, it seems that God intersects with Joseph's life through dreams. He wakes up one morning and he's had this dream about all his brothers and he were out collecting the wheat into sheaves. And that there's 11 of those sheaves representing his brothers bowing down to his. He has another sleep and he gets another dream. This time he dreams that the sun and the moon and 11 stars, that's his family, mum and dad included, are bowing down to his one star. 
And the one thing that he does with these two dreams, if you like, is he goes and tells the rest of his family. Could you imagine? He's wearing a colourful coat, Daddy's favourite. He's already known as a dobber. And then he gets these dreams from God and he starts immaturely, brashly, brazenly just telling them. Guess what? And they know what is, in, is actually inciting in them, that when you're going to bow down to you, his dad says, where I'm going to bow down to you one day. What we find out about Joseph on our 12th birthday is that he's about to go on a huge learning curve. Massive, massive learning curve. Because his brothers, one day they take him, they rip off his robe, they tear it to shreds, they take it to their dad and they say, look, wild animals have got him. In fact, what they do along the way is they sell him for 20 pieces of silver to some traders who are heading down to Egypt. Once he gets down to Egypt, he's sold into slavery. In that place, he's actually sold as a slave to work in a guy by the name of Potiphar's household. Now, in that place of slavery, it simply says that God was still with Joseph. And Potiphar must have seen the leadership abilities of uh, of Joseph. So over a period of time, Potiphar elevates him to look after the entire household. Until one day, in fact, what's been going on for a long time now is that Potiphar's wife kind of takes a liking to Joseph. So day in and day out, when she has opportunity, she comes to him and she says, Tell you what, let's just run off together. Let's just share a magic moment together, Joseph. Just you and I. I would like you, I desire you. And Joseph would resist and resist day in, day out. He'd say, no, this is wrong by my master. This is wrong by God. I can't do this. One day she gets so spurned by Joseph pushing her away that she grabs his robe. She takes it and she waits for her husband to get home <coughs> of her. And she says, look, who's trying to make sport of me? I have his robe as proof. And now she becomes the dobber on him. Potiphar's angry. So he throws Joseph into jail now. He's a criminal. And there he rots in jail for some years. And again, it just simply says that God was wicked in this disaster. And the jailer must have seen Joseph's good leadership abilities. So what does he do? He actually elevates him. So he started to look after the jail. And after some years, finally, the, char- the last character comes into the scene by the name of Pharaoh. He has a dream, an unusual dream about some cows. Anyone ever hear about cows before? Yeah, they're disturbing to dream about cows. No one's had. In fact, Pharaoh was so disturbed about this dream about seven fat cows. One day they were standing alongside the banks of the Nile and then seven thin cows came up and ate the fat cows, but the thin cows remained thin. Now we kind of figured that this wasn't a new dietary process. This wasn't a wax-swimming sort of dream of his. But he wanted to know what the answer was for it. And so the dreamer, Joseph, was pulled out of jail. They said... You tell Pharaoh what it means. Joseph said, I don't know the answer to it, but I'm going to pray. And ask God to speak to me and tell me what the meaning of it is. He simply says this to Pharaoh. The dream that God's trying to tell you and speak to you and the nations about is simply this. Seven years of feasting Egypt is going to have. But then it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. Such devastating famine that unless you do something now about it and fill your storehouses with the profits of this feasting, we're not going to survive. Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge. He sees his leadership capabilities. And so he begins to store up the grain. So this is seven years plus the years in jail and then the famine hits. And guess what? 
Somewhere in the midst of that devastating famine that not only affects Egypt, but the entire land, his brothers come knocking one day. They're starving up north as well. They don't recognize Joseph. They don't understand the different robes that he's wearing. They can't see through, if you like, his new costume. And so they come before him and they bow down to him and they ask him for food. There's no retribution. There's no anger. There's no tears and crying. There's no heartache that comes out of, of anger. But what there is is a bursting forth of pain and heartache. And Joseph turns to his brothers and utters these amazing words. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of life. If I could paraphrase it, it would go probably something like this. Yeah, I know what you did to me was wrong. And I know I might have been immature and brash and brazen at the time. But I'm a changed person because of it. And through the heartache and through the pain and through the loneliness and the fear, God was with me. God was with me. I couldn't see it then, but I see it now. There he was journeying with me all through the seasons. And now he has sent me and taken what you intended for bad. Now it's come for good. Your lives are being saved. The lives of nations are being saved. Because God has worked through me. He changed what was intended for bad. And now he's turned it into something that's great. You see, I wonder if you're here this morning and it's our 12th birthday. And uh, it strikes me that on our 12th birthday, there's this amazing insight that comes from this story, this brash, brazen boy by the name of Joseph. It strikes me as I look at this story. That we might have dreams. That we might have great dreams from God. That don't happen in a moment. But they can unfold in an entire lifetime. And that God is more interested in what he's doing in us. As much as what he's wanting to do through us. Because here we are, we're 12. We're no longer children. We're not teenagers. We're in the middle. Do you know what that middle is called? It's called the tweens. Have you heard that before? It's called the tweens. We're not only children. We're not quite teenagers. We're in the tweens. Come on. <coughs> the way I remember that we're 12 is because Tilly, our youngest, was born the same year that NCR began. So everyone goes, what birthday are we up to? Where are we? Tilly, she's 12. That's how old we are. Now, if you've got a tween in your household, you know exactly what they're like, and I don't need to tell you. But just in case you don't have a tween, let me tell you a little bit what they're like. So officially, a tween is the age between 8 and 12. Just go back one for a minute. Now, they change a lot. So this was Tilly when she was about 2 or 3. Huge. Flat with bows, stripy stockings, you know that really cuteness that you go, oh, isn't she adorable? And then something happens when they become twins, 
One thing of which you need to bribe them to use that photo in church. So it wasn't quite the one she wanted us to use. It wasn't quite the gorgeous one. But we got around it and this is what a tween looks like. <laughs> so if we had to describe what a tween was, attitude, all about me, selfies, um, too cool for school, particularly until they suddenly go to year, year seven and then they get thought about and they're not so cool for school anymore. Um, they spend a lot of time sleeping, a lot of time alone but connected to a screen so in a sense they're not really alone anymore. And often they are overlooked because they're not the key anymore and they're not really old enough to do a lot on their own. So often a tween can be overlooked. And when I think about us turning 12 and perhaps being a bit tweenish as a church community, I have to ask, well, where are we? Where are we? Are we going to sit back and just go, well, it's between years, it's the middle years, nothing much happens. We're running along nicely, NCR's been going well for a while, and you know there's more people, I can sit in the back row, nobody will really notice, somebody else might do it, maybe I don't have to play my part as much anymore. I'm going to sit back and just wait and see what happens. Or are we going to reconnect with the dream that we had when we started 12 years ago? Are we going to reconnect with the passion and the vision and that dream of going, hey, we want to give God away. When we discover what God's like, when we discover who God is and the difference he can make in our lives, I want to tell other people about it. I want to give God away. I want, I want to share him with others because I believe who he is and what he does in my life is amazing. I don't want to keep it a secret anymore. And I'm wondering if we need to reconnect with that dream. And it might look a little bit different because as much as I love those striker stockings and those bows, Tilly will not wear them anymore. I love them, but no way. Sometimes the dream might be the same, but the way we live it out might be a little bit different. Maybe it's time to move on to something new, to something different. Brunty and I went shopping recently. We don't do it that often because I'm told I'm too complicated. But this particular time, we went shopping. And we found a great bargain rack, didn't we, Bronte? We found this fantastic bargain. Well, I'm more of a bargain hunter than she is, I have to admit that. But we found this great bargain rack in Maya, and it was 60% off the already reduced price. That is a good bargain rack. And Bronte had just said to me earlier as we were shopping, by the way, Mum, I could really do with another pair. Of, oh, I could do with a pair of jeans. I love a pair of black jeans. Guess what we found on that bargain rack? We found a pair of black jeans that were over $100 reduced to $10. Woohoo! We were really excited. So we took a couple of things and we were both trying some things on in the change room. And then as we're trying things on, Grunty's next door, I hear, oh no! And I'm going, oh, are you okay? Okay, 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 Ned. They don't fit. I hear this voice. And she goes, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make them fit. <laughs> <laughs> trying and trying, and eventually I stick my head and go, well, how are they? Oh, no, I just, I just can't get them on. I can't do them up. I said, okay, Bronte, look, they really don't fit. 
we're just going to have to leave them. You know, can't let them out. I can sew, but I can't really fix these jeans. We're going to have to leave them. They don't fit. Oh, I can sew. What's these jeans? I said, look, they're such a good price. How about we take them home for Tilly? They'll fit Tilly, and if they don't fit Tilly, she'll fit in them soon. Oh, but I wanted them. And anyway, we took them home, didn't we? Tilly loved them. But I noticed, I haven't seen Tilly in those jeans very much. But I've seen Monty in them a few times. I don't want you wearing those jeans. I just got them on and I did them up and I'm wearing them. And then she'll come home and take them off. I've got to get these jeans on. She went somewhere and I said,
I'm going to cut back on a few things because I don't want to miss out on being a part of the dream. I don't want to miss out on playing my part that God may want to use me in his big picture of reaching out to our community and giving us God away. So I want to challenge you this morning. Let's not sit back and be a tween. Let everyone else do it. Let's not be overlooked. But may we be brave enough as we turn 12 and go into our 13th year, say, God, where? How do you want to use me? What part do you want me to play? Use me. I don't want to use that. I'm not going to invite the band this time. In the tweens. And it's our birthday. We're excited about that. Tweens, they grow out of their clothes and they grow up. Hey, on the 31st, in two weeks' time, on the Thursday night, we're going to have our next regroup night. I want to talk about how we can consolidate our vision and our values. Would you come along to that? I want to unpack that a little bit more. 13 years ago, an elderly gentleman who's still part of us today, he said, you know what, it takes unselfish people to grow a church. It's true. Ones that don't get distracted in the tween years, just sitting back. Wonder if God might be saying, dream that dream of giving me away again. If I'm so good, then my son Jesus is so good. Don't keep him to yourself. Give him away. Wonder if God might be saying to you this morning, dream again with him. Maybe you're here this morning and like Joseph, you've been dealt a bitter set of cards. Hardship. You're wondering here as you're checking out God, God, you're really there and you really care about me, you have plans for me. Am I usable? Over and over again through the Bible, the message resonates. You are usable. You are usable. You are usable. There is no expiry date with God. I want to hear this morning on our 12th birthday the best thing you can do is pray a simple prayer that goes something like this God give me a dream give me your dream someone might put it another way like this would you write your heart on my heart for this new season. You stop dreaming. Busyness of life caught you. And God's message is, I'm with you in the busyness. I'm with you in the hardship. I'm with you. What I want you to do is make yourself available. Open up and surrender your life to me. Pray this God, would you lay your heart in my heart? Would those two worlds collide? In fact, you might want to take one of those white cards this morning, and if you dare to dream, and I would encourage you, take one of the white cards and write that down at the top. Simple prayer. God, would you write your heart in my heart? Go ahead. Write one of the cards. Write it down. I dare you. To take it away this week, place it in a place that's prominent, and each day pray that prayer. 
You hear and you're checking out God, you wonder if He's even real, even exists. But dare to pray. See what happens. Just a simple openness, surrender, act and say, God, write your heart on my heart. See what dreams He births in you. Happy birthday, Tiana. Best way to spend it is together. Thankfulness about what God has done. As people have opened up their homes and their hands and their hearts to want to give Jesus away. Now keep it for yourself. Pete sings in a moment. I'd just like to take this moment to pray. Simply where you are, if you would like to intersect with God, that you might join with me in something else. Greet us. God, right now in this place, just as you said to Joseph, you're with us. We would ask that you might cause us to dream again. Your dream. That we might have the courage and faith to step out. Father, for those people who are here this morning that have been dealt a bitter hand in life, you remind them that you're with them take bad, what was intended for bad, and turn it for good. You give them that hope. You pour your healing life in. Father, here this morning, if someone's feeling like they've been left out, discarded, you remind them this morning of your simple truth. You're with them. You love them. Father, ask that in this place you might enable people to bring the to write your heart. Father, I look forward to seeing the ways in which you will continue to propel us into our tears.